September Council has just been held and I'm here talking with the President of the Federation, Mori Mulheron, with a wrap about the debates that took place on Saturday. Mori, the next phase in the campaign for the full Gonski funding is being triggered by a review the Abbott government has decided to undertake. Council has said that this attacks the very architecture of needs-based funding. Can you just walk us through how that's so? Uh, yes, it's very dangerous, uh, and actually a, an email went to all principals and workplace committees last Thursday about that. But uh, what Pine has announced is a review into the low SES funding loading. Now, this is an important loading because this is the loading that puts a lot of money into our schools, particularly based on concentrations of disadvantage. But he stacked the review. Uh, there's something like 50 invitees from the non-government sector, but only about 16 from the government sector. So that's the first uh, inbuilt bias. And the second bias in the review, uh, the loaded questions essentially ask, what's wrong with the low SES funding uh, loading? So we have very grave concerns that this is essentially trying to shift money away from um, our schools through co- having a formula based on concentrations of disadvantage uh, to per capita loading, which will put money back into non-government schools. So uh, that's the heart of the needs-based funding model, putting the money where it's most needed and we believe the review is a a political exercise and we need our people to act on that email that was sent last Thursday, the 11th of September. Maury, how do we want members in schools and school communities to react to this? Well, we don't want people writing more submissions. The, the evidence is in. What we want schools to do is put political pressure on their local MP in the first instance. So we've made it easy. In the email that went out last uh, last Thursday, we've got a link to a sample letter and we've got also a link to the state and federal MP. So put pressure on both state and federal MPs of all political parties to say to Pine, no, you are not going to destroy the low SES funding loading. And that email uh, gives a direct link to the Federation website where proformers can be downloaded and the addresses of all the MPs can be found. Yes, so it's, it's, so it's relatively easy to, to do it and we would hope that perhaps there could even be a Federation meeting held in a computer room or people can bring their smartphones or their tablets to a lunchtime meeting and uh, spend 10 minutes doing it, then, then, then go back to their staff rooms. Okay. Is there a place for the Secretary of the Department of Education and Communities to play in supporting Gonski? Absolutely. We need. We, we know that the department uh, is supporting the Gonski model, but we need that to be articulated uh, more publicly and particularly to our schools. We were very disappointed in the email that went out during national before National Gonski Week. But they need to defend the loadings because that's where the money comes into the public system. And so we'll be having discussions with the, uh, the Secretary, Michelle Brunnages, to try and urge her to put pressure on the, the state government to, in turn, pressure the Pine government not to touch the loadings. In the past, we've heard um, the New South Wales Minister make very um, strong statements in support of the full Gonski funding. Is the Federation continuing to have dialogue with the Minister, urging him to continue that support? Absolutely, Sally. We we raised this with the Minister last week and we've said to the Minister to look very carefully at what Pine is doing and to ensure that he continues to advocate for the New South Wales public education system. Indeed, uh, the entire New South Wales NIR agreement needs to be protected. Turning now to the staffing agreement, the school staffing agreement, 
there's been some reports of breaches in provisions of the staffing agreement that um, limit the effectiveness of the transfer system in schools. Do we have any examples of the kind of breach that's being referred to by members? Look, there are a number of examples given at Council uh, on, on Saturday where uh, those aspects of the staffing agreement that go to transfers where some schools are not uh, fulfilling their requirements. So we need to remind all schools that the staffing agreement is not just a policy agreement with the department, it's actually a legally enforceable document. Um, It has status as a legal document and that is a, a formal industrial agreement that won't expire until about April 2016 and that schools need to be very careful that they don't breach the staffing agreement because if we do find breaches of it, uh, we are uh, obliged to follow up with those breaches, firstly with the department, but if necessary, we'll seek the intervention of the IRC. So if a member um, has concerns, they should, of course, raise it with their FedRep or Workplace Committee in the first instance and contact their Federation organiser. Is that the Absolutely, they should. Thing? It's, it's important for uh, all school staff, uh, from the principal to executive staff, but classroom teachers to understand what the staffing entitlement is. That's, that entitlement is what the New South Wales government has agreed that that school community ought to be staffed by. And so it's not just a document for principals and executive staff. That staffing entitlement should be understood by every member of the school, com- school community and to make sure that we don't lose positions out of the system, particularly permanent positions out of the system. Murray Council said that Federation remains committed to protecting and promoting high standards of professional teaching practice in New South Wales. There's those people who seek to criticise professional standards as they currently are, such as Minister Pine, who conveniently does so under the guise of his uh, refusal to commit to the full Gonski funding. What, in Federation's view, is the key to proper professional frameworks and practice? Look, the Federation believes that the profession ought to engage in ongoing professional development, that you grow as a, as a teacher and it's important. But what we have done when we've negotiated the performance and development framework is put it on the department that they must have a commitment to it as well. It's all very well to put the onus on teachers, but the employer, the department, must remain committed to it. And that professional development, that framework that we negotiated, is is underpinned by collaborative and collegial practice that supports teachers. It's not a negative exercise. It's not looking for bad teachers or weak teachers. There are other processes that deal with that. This is about saying that we as a department have a commitment to ensuring that the people who work for us are given access to quality professional development and more importantly that we will fund it and make sure the funds go into the schools to do it. Does Federation support the 100 hours of um, continuing professional learning requirements for accreditation to be maintained? We do. We do. We support that. It's a figure that also allows us to argue quite clearly with the department, all right, there's a requirement on on teachers to maintain their accreditation and undergo professional development. And remember, in New South Wales, all professional development now has to be accredited through uh, BOSTES. So we're saying, okay, if there's a requirement for a certain number of hours, there's got to be dollars attached to it. And so that, uh, that regulated environment is an important space for us to play in. 
The council decision makes it clear that federations already achieved much in terms of support for ongoing professional development. What's a couple of things that have been achieved? Well, we got in the last salary settlement at the end of last year in terms of the settlement, we were able to negotiate a significant increase in uh, professional development funds into the school's budget. We also got, of course, the additional release time for um, two hours in their first year and one hour in their second year for beginning teachers, and in the first year, uh, an hour for the mentor as well. These, these are important, and they're significant uh, funding commitments that we, we were able to negotiate, uh, and indeed some of the Gonski money was used used to fund that. But that, so we've got that so far, but we need, of course, that to be uh, built upon. That, that's not the end of the matter. Um, we need uh, that, those resources into our school. As the changeover from an experienced workforce to a less experienced workforce occurs over the next few years, then that need will increase. But also, of course, we've got a commitment that casual and temporary teachers must be included in professional development in schools, because so many teachers now begin their career through that pathway. All of that means a very busy time in the lead up to the state election, which is due in March 2015. Let's have a look now at some of the Federation's campaign priorities in the lead up to that election. First of all, TAFE. What's required in TAFE and how is Federation planning to build upon the success of the campaigning that's been going on throughout this year and last well, Sally, it, it, TAFE has to be one of our state election priorities because it's a system that is in great danger of being uh, slowly, or if not even slowly, quickly corporatised and privatised uh, through the smart and skilled policy. So what we want from uh, government and from the major political parties is a commitment to uh, stopping the funding cuts, ensuring there's a cap on student fees so the cost is not shifted to young people and their families. And the third area is a ceiling on contestable funding. In other words, that's the mechanism by way of privatising. So, so that's a system by which people have to compete or yeah. contest for funding, whether you're a private or a public provider, is that right? Effectively, that's right. What it means is the taxpayers' money, which they may think is going to their local TAFE college to run hairdressing courses and plumbing and electrical trades courses and that, no, there's no guarantee that it's going to your local TAFE college, it could very well be going to an overseas-owned big private corporation who will run a system in an unregulated environment with not even the name, same requirement in terms of ours. This is very bad for, for our system. So we, we want some protections, particularly some legislative protections, so that the community can be confident that the public provider is still there in their community into the future. So does that mean that we're asking people to, whenever they are talking with uh, candidates for the election, we want them to make commitments to these areas of funding and protecting TAFE? Uh, it's a simple question we ask all politicians. What are you going to do in the parliament if you're re-elected in March? What are you going to do to make sure there's legislative protection of the TAFE system? Salaries, always something that uh, interests everyone who's a worker. How are we going to be campaigning for fair and just salaries for teachers? We have a very unfair uh, situation in New South Wales where the state government changed the laws when they, when they gained office uh, in 2011, uh, where, they, where they effectively have neutralised the Industrial Relations Commission 
if you like, the independent umpire, as it's sometimes called, which has locked out public sector unions only, not private sector unions covering that area, but public sector unions who cannot seek arbitration, cannot run productivity arguments or work value arguments or or show there's been significant efficiencies in how we operate, can show that the CPI is increasing at a certain rate and therefore salaries are falling behind. None of those arguments can be run by public sector unions. So what we're saying in the internal conflict state election, we want politicians to say that this is an unfair system and that a burden is being placed on public sector workers, which has uh, led to a drop in real salary levels. And that if, in terms of teaching, if we want to get the best and the brightest into teaching, that you cannot run a salaries uh, regime that uh, cuts effectively real wages. And we want politicians to say that, that we don't accept that there's a need for this sort of austerity, which, uh, which cuts into teachers' salaries. So just to be clear, Maury, at the moment... There's no capacity at all for the Teachers' Federation to run an argument that the value of the work that teachers do has increased and that we our wages should be looked at in the context of that work value. That's exactly right. So we we, remar- we have committed to uh, a standard-based uh, salary increase because we believe that's important to protect our qualifications. We accept many of the reforms in the Great Teacher-inspired learning because we believe, again, that's increased the status of the profession in the long term in terms of entry standards and so on. We're supporting um, a regulated professional development framework because, we, again, we believe in the increasing the status of, of teaching. But in return, we want a professional salary and professional salary increases that are commensurate with the commitment the profession has given to those other reforms. Turning to school staffing, what commitments do we need from each of the political parties about staffing of our schools? Well, at the moment, in the staffing agreement, we, we don't have protections around executive teacher positions, such as APs, assistant principals, and head teachers, deputy principals. They potentially can be um, cashed in or traded in for other positions. That's not acceptable. As well, there are non-teaching or non-timetable positions, you should, I should say, such as uh, careers advisors and counselling positions, uh, teacher librarians. Uh, then, again, are not secure under the staffing agreement, we want a commitment that a staffing entitlement will be protected and that if you're going to need some additional uh, or different mix of staff to meet the school's needs, then yes, make out the case, but the additional Gonski money should provide additional staffing. It shouldn't be at the expense of cutting into the staffing entitlement. We want that to be the base. Mm-hmm. That That is the flaw. Additional money can be used to create the additional positions that a school can make out an argument for that they need. And finally, with regard to the state election, infrastructure and facilities. How is it essential that governments support quality teaching and learning through capital works and infrastructure? What are some of the needs that our schools and colleges have? Look, there's been an underinvestment in our school infrastructure now for a long, long time, for many, many years that date back decades. And clearly, we've got an ageing infrastructure and there needs to be a, a huge injection in capital works funding and uh, and also this relates to cleaning uh, uh, cleaning contracts and maintenance, but a huge increase. Realistically, we don't expect that to be happening in one fell swoop, but there needs to be a commitment from government that they will have a long-term strategy to reinvest in, the, in, in our schools. 
It's not like they don't know this information. They have assets teams that go into each and every school. They know room by room what the requirements are. They know, they know school by school, site by site, what is needed, what we need now. We've got that data as a system. We need that now to be turned into dollars. And so we'll be asking all politicians, will you commit to a massive capital investment in our schools uh, for the in, in both the medium and long term. Uh, and it goes, uh, Sally, to other questions. Of course, there was a, there was a report only last week about um, uh, a massive shortage of accommodation, in, in particularly in the inner city and, and North Sydney. But this goes right across the system. We are just not even building schools for, for the impending uh, increase in population. So there needs to be a government who's prepared to commit now for the long term and not just in short political cycles of three or four years, a medium to long-term commitment. Once again, a very full agenda. Federation's work doesn't finish and Council turned its mind to a number of very serious issues. Thanks, Sally.